Hi, everybody. Welcome into the Black and Blue Report podcast series presented by SeatGeek. I'm Sean Kelly. Greetings on this Wednesday from Studio B at the Osher Sports Performance Center. It feels good to have a normal week, like a Wednesday being a Wednesday. Here's what I mean by that. See, during football season, like in a normal NFL week, Wednesday is Wednesday. It's kind of the start of the new work week. It means that it's probably our most work on the on the media side. Drew Brees speaks on Wednesday. Uh, full go practice, first injury report of the week, and then there's a progression. Thursday, Friday, and then Saturday is kind of a, a a dark day because either the team is traveling or they're getting set up at their team hotel in the home city. But since the Pel- uh, since the Saints rather have played on the last two Thursdays, Wednesday might be like Friday or Saturday, but it's Wednesday. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's a Wednesday, and it feels like a Wednesday, and it's good as we get ready for. Saints and Buccaneers this weekend back into the division for the New Orleans Saints and we'll preview that football game here today with a very special guest Kenny Albert play-by-play announcer for the NFL on Fox we'll have the call with Rondé Barber this weekend and he is our first guest on today's podcast and here on this Wednesday a rare double dip for you usually we take one guest flesh a few things out and enjoy a lengthy visit here with the Pelicans at home all week we're 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 double dipping. We're going both sides of the parking lot here. Our second guest today will be Michael Wallace from Grind City Media and Grizzlies.com. There's a big game between the Pelicans and the Grizzlies in the division, much like the Saints, on Friday night. I'll give you some details a little bit later on about uh, a special giveaway on Friday, too. But we're going to learn more about the Grizzlies who lead this division right now, the Southwest Division, believe it or not. They'll go into this Wednesday's play with a 13-9 record. The New Orleans Pelicans, a game under 500, will take on the Dallas Mavericks tonight. But we're going to look forward to that Wednesday, or that excuse me, that Friday home game against the Grizzlies and get some answers about a Memphis team that I think is surprising people. And we're going to see a couple of young players this week too that um, may also surprise you. And I think they're worth seeing in person. Luka Doncic is in town with the Mavericks on this Wednesday, and then Jaron Jackson is with the Grizzlies on Friday. Uh, two young players who are making kind of a big splash so far here in the Western Conference. So, two guests to cover this week on this particular episode of the Black and Blue Report. I'm so pleased that you've joined us. I hope that you'll enjoy these visits as much as I had um, putting them together with Daniel Salerson today. So, Michael Wallace from Grizzlies.com uh, a bit later. First up, though, when we uh, return, Kenny Albert from the NFL on Fox all ready to go with this weekend's call of the Saints and Buccaneers. This is the Black and Blue Report presented by SeatGeek. Here's Sean Kelly. We begin with one of our favorites, that's for sure, Kenny Albert, announcer for the NFL on Fox, the New York Rangers, NBA basketball, two guys playing catch out in Brooklyn probably. You're busy this time of year, aren't you, my friend? I was looking for a curling match, on, but I couldn't find one. Mm. Hopefully you can help out with that. By the way, have you ever seen curling in person, Kenny? Uh, briefly, at one of the Olympics, I did walk over in between hockey games. Um, but, no, in all seriousness, appreciate the introduction. It is a busy time of the year, and looking forward to seeing the Saints for the first time this season on Sunday. No doubt. I tell you what, though, you've seen plenty of the Buccaneers, haven't you? Uh, this will be game number five for our crew for the Bucks, and they've actually won three of the previous four, so... Uh, we've been there for three of their wins. They had a, a big one back in week two over Philadelphia. 
and then the last two weeks over the 49ers and the Panthers this past Sunday. So um, I think the, the Panthers, the Buccaneers, and the Giants are the three teams that um, that I've seen the most of in person this year, and we get to go back to the uh, nice climates in December in Tampa this weekend. No doubt. I think it was, what, low 80s for you guys last weekend, Kenny? Uh, that's what it was each of the last two weeks, so it's been nice. Kenny, am I overstating the obvious here to say that the Buccaneers are trending up? They are. Um, two straight wins. It's, it's been kind of a, a bizarre year. They won their first two and they won their last two, but in between, um, turnovers were the issue. Uh, they lead the league in turnovers. They have the worst turnover ratio, but they've done a great job over the last two weeks. Jameis Winston has not turned the ball over in the last two games against the 49ers and the Panthers. And defensively, the Bucks had one interception over their first 10 games. They have six in the last two. So when you look at the numbers that they put up offensively, some of them are, are historic. Um, I know going into last week, they had the second most passing yards through 11 games in NFL history behind only the 2,000 Rams. They have five 500-yard games. Ryan Fitzpatrick threw for 400-plus uh, four straight times, but uh, turnovers and uh, not being able to stop teams w- was the big issue during that that middle stretch of, of seven or eight games. Kenny, you, you pointed out their ability to take away the ball most recently here. How much of that stems from the fact that they changed their defensive leadership a short time ago? Well, they, they did change uh, the coordinator from Mike Smith to Mark Duffner, but that, that was back in mid-October, and they still weren't getting takeaways. These last two games, the 49ers turned it over twice late, uh, Nick Mullins threw two interceptions in the fourth quarter, and then um, Cam Newton threw four on Sunday, and, and it could have been five or six. There were a couple of tip balls that, that hit the ground. Um, Andrew Adams, who's a guy that was, was signed back in September, he played for the Giants the last two years. He wasn't even on a roster when this regular season got underway. He had three on Sunday, and that tied a franchise record. My partner, Rondé Barber, did it twice, Akeem Tlaib once, and now Andrew Adams. But they're decimated in the secondary with injuries. Uh, they lost Chris Conti, Vernon Hargraves, Brett Grimes, um, and then two or three other guys went out this week at different times. So it's a totally different roster than, than what the Saints saw uh, in the defensive secondary back in week one. Yeah, there's a, that's a great point there. Kenny, do they get any of those guys back in the short term, or are they just going to try and piece it together in that secondary this weekend? Well, probably too early to tell. Um, not sure about a couple of those guys. Justin Evans had missed the previous week. He came back last week and then went out. Isaiah Johnson went out during the game. MJ Stewart's been out with a foot injury. So um, as we speak on Wednesday, it sounds like it's too early to tell. Yeah, probably so. Kenny, let's go back to what you were saying about their passing attack. Uh, Two different quarterbacks have combined for those gaudy numbers. One thing's the same, though. It looks like that receiving core may not get enough attention. What have you noticed in the games that you've seen in person about the Buccaneers receivers? Well, a couple of things. I think Mike Evans is one of the best in the business. Uh, When you look at his numbers, he's one of only three players, along with Randy Moss and A.J. Green, uh, to go for 1,000 yards receiving each of his first five NFL seasons. Uh, Deshaun Jackson's been in and out of the lineup. He didn't play last week due to a thumb injury. Chris Godwin's really taken a step forward, uh, second-year receiver out of Penn State. He had over 100 yards last week. And Adam Humphreys is really uh, unheralded around the league. He had 61 catches last year. Um, he's a slot receiver for the most part. He's had a terrific season again this year. Uh, they lost O.J. Howard, their starting tight end, a couple of weeks ago. So Cameron Brait, who used to be the starter, is back in that role. Uh, but when you look at that group as a whole, it, it's, its numbers speak for themselves. When you look at what uh, Winston and Fitzpatrick combined have done this year, 
and it's a group led by Evans, and then, like I said, Humphreys and, and Godwin have taken uh, major steps once again this year. I'm just asking your opinion on this. Kenny, do you think that they're, that they're simply playing to a strength that they have in that group, or are they having to do this because they, don't, they just don't run the football all that well? Well, it's funny, uh, you know, listening to my partner, Rondé Barber, he's a big fan of Peyton Barber, no relation, the Bucks running back. Um, he's had a pretty good year, but I think when you look at Dirk Cutter and his history, um, you know, he's apt to pass the ball a lot more than he runs. He had Matt Ryan in Atlanta as the coordinator, and now with Winston Fitzpatrick, it, it's a pass-first offense, although Peyton Barber's done a very nice job this year. Would you mind noting their defensive front for me? I'd like to learn more. I'm sorry? Their defensive front. I, I, I don't think I know enough, and, and I think about it because I know what the Cowboys' defensive front did to the Saints last week, and I'm curious as to, as to whether Tampa's ha, uh, Tampa has the, the personnel to do the same thing to New Orleans this week. Well, Jason Pierre-Paul's had a great year. Um, he's the first Buccaneer with double-digit sacks in Simeon Rice in 2005. He has 10.5. Um, Carl Nassib, a guy who, if you watched Hard Knocks, he was featured with Cleveland. Uh, they released him at the end of training camp and preseason, and he's done a really nice job. He's a, a third year out of Penn State, and he set an NCAA record, or led the NCAA, I should say, during a senior season with 15 and a half sacks. So uh, those two guys have been the keys over the last couple of weeks. Uh, Gerald McCoy had a real strong game against Carolina on Sunday, and two weeks ago against San Francisco, their first-round pick out of Washington, Vita Vea, probably had his best game of the season. Kenny, it's Wednesday as we visit. You've still got you know a ton of prep work to go in getting ready for this football game. How, how much of your prep will, will have an eye toward Drew Brees, comma, possible MVP candidate? Well, he's had a great year. Once again, uh, no surprise to those of us, you and I, who have watched him uh, you know, for the last decade plus with the Saints. Um, like I said, we haven't had a Saints game this year, so uh, just getting into it over the last couple of days. And yep. Always one of the you know, mo most fun teams to watch. And, and, you know, anytime you get a chance to have a Drew Brees game, when we got this assignment on the schedule, you put a big star next to it on the calendar because it's so much fun preparing and getting ready for it and then watching Drew out on the field on Sunday. Yeah, could be, could be, a, could be a little bit of a bounce back perhaps for the Saints. We'll see. Uh, they, as you know, could, could possibly also win the division. Isn't that interesting, Kenny, that if we look at the history of the NFC South, only one team really has put the, or strung together consecutive division championships. I guess that'd be Carolina who did it three straight times. Is that just unique to the NFC South in your eyes? Yeah, it's pretty wild. I mean, I know it dates back to 2002 uh, when, when this current format uh, came into play with, with the Saints, the Buccaneers, the Panthers, and the Falcons. Um, and, you know, they've all had success through those years. The Saints winning a Super Bowl, the Buccaneers winning a Super Bowl back in January of 2003. And Carolina and Atlanta have both gotten Super Bowls in recent years. So it's been a fun division. You know, we've worked a lot of those games, and it, it seems like no matter what the records are, um, they're battles. You know, you look at what the Buccaneers were able to do to the Saints week one, scoring 48 points, and then the Saints rattle off 10 wins. So it uh, should be a lot of fun on Sunday. And, yeah, it is a bit strange that you don't have a lot of repeat division winners. But, uh, like I said, sort of on a rotating basis, all four of the teams have had great success. Kenny Albert with us. He'll have the call on the NFL on Fox this weekend between the Saints and the Buccaneers. Hey, Kenny, before I let you go, I know I was teasing you a little bit at the start of our visit today about all the things that you, uh, that you end up broadcasting over the course of a year. Kenny, if, you, if, I, if I sat you down and said, I know you've done so many things in your career, 
Is there one event or one sport in particular that you'd like to have a crack at that you've never tried before? What would it be? Well, that's an interesting question because I've been real fortunate to be involved in, in so many of them. Um, I, I can't really say there's a sport that I haven't done that I love a crack at. Um, so fortunate to be involved in football, hockey, and then basketball and baseball to a lesser extent, some boxing as well, track and field at the Olympics. So, um, you know, they're all a lot of fun. And uh, if you can think of one, if there's a new sport out there, I'll give it a try. What about an event? Is there a bucket list event still on your list? Well, I think, you know, the obvious answer would be Super Bowl, Stanley Cup Finals, championships. And, and I've had the opportunity um, on radio to work five Stanley Cup Finals on, on Westwood One and NHL Radio and did work one Super Bowl on the world feed, the international, uh, the Giants, Patriots, and Indianapolis back mm -hmm. in 2012. So, you know, those are obviously the ultimate goals, to work those type of events at the network level. But uh, I've been lucky to be a, a small part of it on a couple of occasions. Okay. I mean, I, 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 I had to figure you had them all covered, Kenny, but I had to ask just out of plain curiosity. <laughs> well, maybe curling. Who knows? Maybe. There maybe you we'll go. Maybe we'll give that a try someday. Nice circle back to the start of the visit. Great stuff. I know you're really slammed today, Kenny. I really appreciate the visit. And have a great call this weekend. We'll be watching. Thanks, Sean. Look forward to it. And uh, hopefully we'll see the Saints again down the line. All right. We continue on the Black and Blue Report with, as promised, Michael Wallace. He uh, is a host of many things uh, with Grind City Media and, of course, Grizzlies.com. Michael, great to talk to you. I can't believe it's taken us so long to finally get a New Orleans-Memphis matchup in this young NBA season. Yeah, I know. It seems like we've all we both played everybody else in the league except for one another. But, uh, hey, it's always a good time when you look at a Friday night game in New Orleans. So I'm looking forward to it. Both teams are still trying to find themselves uh, at the quarter pole of the season, and uh, we'll see which direction they go in from Friday night. I, You know, uh, I'm with you. And and let me let me digress or let me step over here for a second, if you don't mind. I do think that the NBA is in dire need of some rivalries, like the old days, and maybe some can develop. Can we ever get this New Orleans-Memphis thing to a rivalry level, kind of like New Orleans-Atlanta is on the football side? You know what? It, it should be. Um, I, I think there's a chance. I, I know Memphis sort of has some misplaced rivals because for a long time it was the L.A. Clippers, and that just didn't seem right, obviously because of the postseason. And then it was the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, for a few years there during the heart of the grit and grind era. Uh, but but when you look at especially, I think one thing that can, can help the Memphis-New Orleans rivalry is the development of Jaron Jackson Jr., who's looking like a younger version of, you know, Anthony Davis when it comes to the size of the type of uh, skill set that he has. So I think that might help us, especially if Jaron continues to develop at a rapid pace. Yeah, let's talk about Jaron Jackson a little bit. Pretty impressive. A young guy, too. What have you noticed? You 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 kind of you kind of walked out on the ledge there and did a little Anthony Davis comparison. What is it about his yeah. game that that has translated so well to what Memphis does? The fact that you don't have to run a play for him. The fact that he doesn't command a lot of the offense. He knows how to fit in uh, in a structure. Uh, he's black, Mike Conley and, and Marcus All two guys that are going to take the brunt of the shots. Uh, two guys that have been running the pick and roll. Uh, for as long as Carl Malone and John Stockton ran it in Utah. And so you can sort of come in as a young guy and find your way uh, between those two guys. And, and I think if it was the other situation where he needed to be a DeAndre Ayton or Luka Doncic or even a Marvin Bagley or a Trey Young to an extent, uh, he would be struggling. Because I, I think those guys are hunting for their offense where I think Jaron gets his uh, impact 
on the defensive end, and he he cleans up a lot of things that this uh, that this offense doesn't get done. So the fact that he has the length, six eleven, same body type, um, can shoot the three naturally, uh, and, and and can block shots and then run the floor and handle. No, by no stretch is he Anthony Davis. He's five years away from even being favorably compared to Anthony Davis. But you see some of the uh, some of the DNA. Uh, in, in Jaron Jackson that can, you could say, hey, you know what, if he continues to develop, he might one day get to that point. Vets seem to have their ways with young guys with the little tricks of the trade. How are how are the vets around the league handling Jaron Jackson? Well, it's, uh, you know, the kid is still nice. It's funny because I, I don't think I've ever been around a guy whose game uh, is, is veteran mature almost, but his personality is every bit of a 19-year-old kid. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, and look, I mean, it's, it's one of those situations where, you know, I covered Michael Beasley when he came in the league. Michael Beasley was just immature. He was a kid. Um, Jaron Jackson is just youthful. And, and, you know, some of the things that he talks about, he makes you feel your age when you're older around him. Uh, you know, the, uh, the animated cartoons and, you know, some of the serials that he references and, and some of the music that he listens to, you realize, man, this kid is, is the same age as many of our sons. You know, I mean, I, I have a 19-year-old son, and I'm like, dang, this is exactly what uh, – Jaron is the same age as my son. So, but, but, but the thing about it is that the veterans are embracing him. He knows to come in and do work. When he comes to practice, he's right underneath Mark Gasol every single day. Uh, he's in the film session. He's shooting with Jerry Stackhouse and trying to become a better defender on the perimeter. Uh, so he, he's putting all the work in that makes you think he has his head going straight. And plus, he's the son of Jaron Jackson Sr., who played a decade in the league, and his mother uh, is, is an executive with the WNBA. So his head is on straight when it comes to the business of basketball. Yeah, so he has no idea what he's doing, right? I mean, that's pretty cool. <laughs> now, he knows a little bit about what he's doing, and uh, it's funny, I got a piece coming out today about how he, he, he hates the compliment. There's one compliment that he absolutely hates, and that's when people tell him, man, you don't know how good you can be yet. And, you know, he, he we talked on and on about that, and he says, look, he's been hearing that since he was 13 years old. So, you know, it's one of those things where this kid is a student of the game, and uh, if he stays injury-free, uh, his head is in the right place, definitely. Okay. Um, the Grizzlies bring Joey Kim Noah on board this week. Why? You know, they need some depth up front. Uh, frankly, Jaron Jackson, the, the downside of, of him being such a young player is that he's been in foul trouble. He's had five or more fouls. He fouled out once, but he's had five fouls in half of their 22 games so far. Um, and, and, you know, so that's limited his impact. That's forced J.B. to struggle. And when you're Mark Gasol and you turn 33 years, 34 years old uh, in, in next month, basically, uh, you don't have a lot left behind him at this point. Uh, Jermichael Green is the only other big uh, in the rotation right now, and they just needed an, an emergency big man. And Joakim Noah is on a rehabilitation tour. He's trying to rehabilitate his image, rehabilitate his body, and he plays the kind of style uh, that Memphis would embrace. You know, sort of that big man passing from the high post, uh, high IQ, knows what to do with the basketball, and, uh, and and can defend at the rim at times. But we'll see if he has the physical uh, capabilities to still be able to contribute. But you're talking 10 to 12 minutes uh, in doses that he might be able to help you per night. Mike Wallace here with us from Grizzlies.com. Michael, here are the Grizzlies at the time of our visit at 13-9 and nine and in first place in the Southwest Division. That surprised a lot of folks around the league, rightfully so. Um, what about in your building? Is it a surprise to see this start? I think it is a surprise. I know the owner uh, came out, Robert Perrick, came out over the summer 
um, in, in one of his rare interviews, and he said that he expects this, this should be a 50-win team with relative health. And when the Grizzlies got off to that 12-5 and five start, um, you know, he looked like he was prophetic when it came to that. But then, you know, the schedule catches up to you. Uh, it got a lot tougher. They played a lot of road games, um, you know, during that stretch as well, and they've lost four or five uh, going into, you know, coming into the week, this week. So it's one of those situations where, you know, to still be above 500, and if they can emerge from December, which is a really tough month with 8 of 13 on the road, um, then, then if, if they're still above 500, then you still have a shot. When you look at the West this week, uh, you have 14 of the 15 teams within five and a half games of one another. So it's bunched up, nothing has been decided, and the Grizzlies feel like they have as good of a shot as any to make that playoff field at the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, they're putting wins in the bank. I, I know people talk about, well, it's early, it's it's November, it's December. These are investments right now, and think about that for a moment. How many how many good investments have the Clippers? I mean, not the Clippers. The Grizzlies have made in themselves here. The you know this young season. Well, yeah, you, you're right, and, and this team is a, is one that still is trying to overcome, uh, you know, the the injuries of of guys like Dylan Brooks, uh, who was in the rookie sophomore game last year on the wing. Uh, Chandler Parsons obviously is now in year three of that ninety four million dollar contract. Uh, that, that he struggled to live up to because he can't get healthy. Um, so, so when you think about that, and I think about that a lot, this is a team right now that's doing a lot. They got a, a breakthrough rookie in Jared Jackson Jr., but they still have a $25 million salary slot tied up in the guy who can't play uh, in Chandler Parsons for now three years running for the most part. If they could get anything out of that salary slot, look at what they would, where, where they would be in the West. Um, so that's, that's a tough pill to swallow, but – this team is uh, has regrouped. They got some uh, some KG veterans. Uh, Louisiana native Garrett Temple has been uh, big for this team defensively as a starting shooting guard. Uh, he's off to the best shooting uh, start of his career, which is which is surprising for him too. Uh, Sheldon Mack has come through, and Kyle Anderson from the Spurs, we all familiar with in the Southwestern Division, uh, is trying to make an impact defensively as well as a versatile uh, two-way guy. So they 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 rounded out the roster pretty well to overcome some of the issues that they faced already. Yeah. Good stuff there. Hey, one last thing, Michael. Friday night when the Pelicans and the Grizzlies meet, you got one side of the ledger, uh, you know, carrying the banner of pace and scoring in the New Orleans Pelicans, and then you have seemingly the complete opposite, grit and grind 2.0. Let's play in the mud. How far down the uh, pace ladder can we go? Uh, you know, it's like which which one will have their will come through for yeah. them. What are you? What a, what a unique matchup between those two. It is, it is. But you know what's what's also funny is that, or also unique is that, despite all of that pace and space that that uh, the Pelicans play with, they have two of the better defensive guards uh, that they're opening games with right now too. So they can go either way, and, and I think the Grizzlies can. They feel like they can go either way. They tried to get into a track meet uh, with Toronto the other game, and, and that didn't bode well for them. Um, you know, in terms of scoring in the 120s. But this is a team that doesn't mind uh, a changeup, but they can't allow. It's two, three, two and three big 35-point quarters uh, defensively, and that's what's hurt them. So it's going to be a fun game because it's a, they say styles make fights, and I think this is going to be a great, intriguing matchup. And, and again, I'm looking forward to seeing these two unicorns at that powerful center spot uh, match up with one another and see how that goes. Yeah, I, I want to see it, and I want to see the other meetings this year, and then I want to see a Grizzlies-Pelicans uh, playoff series. Are you in for that? And I want to, and I, and I also want to see some char-grilled oysters too. So that's what I'm coming down for. First and foremost, I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and get my fill of char grilled oysters, and then we'll take it from there. Make yourself sick over them, my friend. Enjoy it, <laughs> Michael. Thank you very much. Good stuff today. 
Hey, no problem at all. Thank you. Well, there you have it. Two for the price of one on this Wednesday. Big thanks to Michael Wallace there from Grizzlies.com. And, of course, prior to that, Kenny Albert all set to go for the call of uh, Sunday's game between the Saints and the Buccaneers. Rondé Barber with him, uh, as you heard us talk about earlier as well. Okay, the giveaway on Friday night. This is a cool one. I don't ever remember uh, this being a giveaway, but we have a Pelicans wall flag for you presented by Zatarans as the giveaway for Friday night's home game against the Memphis Grizzlies. Love to see a big crowd for the Pelicans at home. It'll be the end of a homestand, hopefully a winning one. Uh, Depends a a little bit uh, on the Wednesday result against the Dallas Mavericks. But uh, the Memphis game, I think we can we can deem as an early big game on the schedule. I think so. Absolutely. Um, coverage, of course, on the Pelicans Radio Network and Fox Sports New Orleans. Uh, on an, also on a radio note, don't forget the Alvin Gentry Show comes your way tomorrow on the flagship station in New Orleans, 99.5 WRNO FM. Daniel Salerson's already getting ideals together for that 30-minute program tomorrow night. Daniel, thank you, sir. Nice job, by the way, on Monday's podcast. Daniel will have a podcast for you on Monday from the road. We'll be on the road with the Pelicans in Detroit and then Boston. The ladies are next for you on Friday's episode of the Black and Blue Report. I'm Sean Kelly. Until next time, so long for just a while.